2: And yeah, thanks for joining me today on Invest Talk. It is Thursday, December 13th, 2018, and I really do appreciate you tuning in. I really did that. And we only have a few trading days left in the year. Christmas will be here pretty soon. So, have you done all your shopping? Well, I haven't, but you know, that's typical. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today on Invest Talk. Our daily objective here is always the same, and that is to make you a better investor, an above-average investor. <clears throat> and to help you achieve that goal, you ask questions. I provide as the best, unbiased insight and information I can, and hopefully, it's correct information. I know the numbers that I read to you are the numbers that I have produced by experts, and but you know, quote-unquote, experts are not always right. Matter of fact, they're quite often wrong. So, I do want your investment questions, and I will help you with anything I can do financially. Any financial questions of any kind. Now, the number to call—it's call, we call it our listener line number. is open all the time. It's live now. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine C H A R T, and call it right now. Well, the market opened up today. Pretty decent gain at the opening, but. Most of the, it was a pretty volatile day, down, up, down. And you know what? That has been the hallmark of the last several months, volatility. But what did it do? By the end of the day, the Dow was up 70 points, and the NASDAQ was down 28, and the S&P was down a fraction. But, but you know, it's been that kind of volatility. We, you know... <laughs> It's been a pretty amazing volatility, actually. I mean, this is a far cry from what we were used to last year, 2017, 2016. There was hardly any volatility. You know, we didn't have much at all. But that's changed like it always does. The market always changed. Always does. Apple Apple opened higher. And I'm sure you saw the news. They're going to spend $10 billion, right? $10 billion on a new data center or centers. And facilities in the US, the main one being in was it not Houston? Down there in Texas somewhere. Austin. There you go. Thank you. Austin. Yeah, and Austin. But they're also gonna put an office in in San Diego and other kind of uh, other parts of the country. That that's a that you know, just showing you the change of landscape and from the cheap, cheap, cheapness of the China where it used to be really cheap, is no longer so. And that uh, maybe coming back to the U.S. is a good financial decision for these big tech companies, ones who have left. Anyways, are you a Google investor? People used to think that Google stock was bulletproof. Uh, Not anymore. Google stock is down about 20% from its high. All the FANG stocks are down significantly. FANG, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, the FANG stocks, they were the... The darlings of this year, up until October, everybody and you know, I was on the air saying, "Well, we only own one. We own Apple. That's all we really own." I would, and I kept saying, "I would like to own more of them, but they're just too expensive." Well, now I'm now I'm looking at to see if they're cheap enough. <laughs> you know, that's how we look at these things. We, you know, at KPP Financial, my philosophy, our philosophy, we want to buy stocks, good stocks, reasonable price with some growth potential, but we wanna buy value stocks. We don't wanna overpay for stocks. They don't overpay for stocks. Sometimes that works great. Matter of fact, it works better than most other times, but not always. Growth stocks sometimes just dominate and they did most part of this year. Anyway, so you see GE, General Electric. Remember, it's gone from like $60 a share down to $6 a share, right? And uh, the reason why GE moved up today because a guy who was ber- ber- berries for several years on GE turned to neutral, and GE popped up. Nah, I don't know if I... I might take that as an opportunity to get out of GE, not get into GE. There's a lot of news out today. There's always news out, lots of news out, and it's always interesting to read it, because that's what I do. Uh, and, you know... Uh, <laughs> Our, the, we're going to have a main talking point today, and that's what there, it's going to be about the stock, the risks the stock market bulls should fear most in 2019. So, what do you fear the most in 2019? So we're going to talk about that. Also, how about the recession in 2019? Is is it going to be here? Uh, there, there, not. There's a some opinions that it for yes or no, but I, I don't. Less inflation gets out of control. So we'll talk about that. And I want to talk about the number one item on teenagers' holiday wish list. Can you guess what that is? The number one item on the teenagers' wish list. This is a survey done by Geoff- Jeffrey Piper, I think, asking what, did they, what did they want. That, and it's interesting. I think you can guess the number one item. I really do. Justin was able to guess when I asked him. But would you guess the number two, three, and four items? I, I got the list of all four. So we'll talk about those things. And, you know, we'll also talk about economic numbers that came out uh, this week. And uh, what was coming out tomorrow? We got two retail sales coming out tomorrow. I always like to look at retail sales. I know it's backward looking. It's not a leading economic indicators indicator, but I still like to look at it. I'm kind of addicted to the numbers, I think. So there's a lot out there. What do you want to talk about, though? Stay with me for the story about what uh, the Bulls see in next year in 2019. But first, let's take time for a question from our Anytime Listener Line number, 888-99-CHART.
3: Hey, David, Justin. Um, I'm a 38-year-old and am dollar-cost averaging into the market, slowly but surely. I just wondered,
0: is it better to be in growth-type mutual funds and ETFs or value- based mutual funds and ETFs uh, for the long haul, you know, 15,
2: 20 years. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Long-term value value trumps growth, but not by such a degree that, man, I need to get into value. But long-term value beats growth, okay? But there are times when growth just kills value, (laughs) you know, they just kill it. But... Long-term, 10, 20 years, you look back and you say, well, what stocks, what part of the market worked better? It would be value over growth. And I would definitely lean on value right now in the market we're in today. Because there's a lot of value out there after this 10% correction. And uh, growth stocks got crushed 20% versus value so, uh, 20% down from their tops. So, I, I would move to the value side. You know, you would think, well, gee, if they're down 20%, why don't I get them when they're on sale? Well, because they're not on sale. They're still overpriced. But value, who's also gone down, don't, don't, you know, there are certain sectors that didn't, like utilities and things, but, uh, but uh, value also goes down when the darker goes down, when growth goes down. These don't go down as fast normally. Normally, they'll hold up better, much better. 888 99 chart is our number, everybody. What do you want to talk about? What's on your mind? 888 992 4278. As I said earlier, the market was uh, mixed today. It wasn't down, wasn't up. The Dow was uh, up 70, the Nasdaq down 28, and the SP down 1. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We're headed into a quick one minute break. On the other side, what are the risks stock market bulls should fear most in 2019? I'll give, I'll let out, we'll, we'll talk about that. And of course, I'm taking your questions at 888-99-CHART.
0: This is Invest Talk, and Christmas is just two weeks from today. So as we continue through the final trading days of 2018, this might be a good time to ask yourself an important question. Are you doing everything possible to make sure that your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, you can get answers and learn more at InvestTalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve is here and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.
2: Okay, we've had a pretty... Not so fun start for the month of for December for the market. Maybe we can, you know, credit everything's going to be okay attitude on the trade front for any gains we're getting. But looking ahead, looking to 2019, we got some headwinds there. It's a pretty big one. Now, there's an article uh, I read today at MarketWatch, and they listed their four, this, whoever wrote it, Barbara Kohlmeier, wrote, wrote down her four. Uh, uh, problems are headwinds she sees, and I don't think she's got them in order, and I think she's missing a couple, and I think she's duplicating her efforts on a couple others. So, there's four of them. Her number one was corporate margin stumble and fall. Well, I think margins will be squeezed, and that is very possible, uh, but I don't know if uh, that's a headwind, but I don't know if it's going to stop the stock market from rising. The Fed, second one she puts there, I would have put first. Fed keeps hiking rates. I would have put that first. I think that's the number one headwind facing the market. And my number two would have been uh, would have been the trade different difficulties with China. But she that's not even on her list of four. Her third is rising borrowing costs. Yeah, because the Fed raising rates. So maybe that. <laughs> but she had that at number two. Fed hikes keeps hiking. Oh well. Isn't it the kind of same thing rising borrowing costs for corporations? Well, that's one of them because the Fed keeps raising rates, and rates are going to go up. Remember, rates are the Fed only controls one rate—that's the overnight rate for banks—but then the banks pass along that increase. And the fourth one that she put in—the return of fixed income volatility—isn't that related to raising rates too? So for me, her four things are like three of them are you kind of duplicating or they're, they're related. So you really don't have four separate things. Want to hear mine? This is mine. The Fed, which is one of hers or three of hers, the Fed raising rates. That's number one. Number two, trade barriers with China. Number three, Europe and uh, Europe possibly falling into a recession. That's going to affect us. And China's slowing down. So, world the world economy's slowing. She's not That's not listed anywhere here on hers. Those are the three that, I, the first three uh, come to my mind. And then, after that, I would say, and of course, corporate margins are going to squeeze. Why? Because I think, uh, you know, all the benefits from the tax cuts, last, you know, this last year and, that's already built in. So I think we're looking at a slower economic growth period in 2019. Still growth though. Don't still growth. I'm not saying we're going to a recession yet. That recession is going to be all about all about what the Fed does. If the Fed does what they've suggested they were going to do and raise the rates three times next year. My feeling is we're heading into recession. I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll finally wake up and say, you know, we don't have any inflation. And, you know, the economy is slowing down and Europe's economy is going into a recession. Maybe I shouldn't be uh, raising rates. Hopefully, they'll come to that realization. Hopefully. Let's go to Amit in San Jose. How are you doing, Amit? I'm doing fine. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for making it. Uh,
3: yeah. So uh, I have a question about this yield curve. So Fed is going to raise the interest rate next week. And uh, yes. we, is it going to accelerate inversion of the yield curve? And
2: It probably uh, will happen, not. Go ahead, Amit. Okay.
3: So if, if the inversion happens, will it be quickly followed by a big sell-off in the market?
2: I don't think so. I don't think that that will happen that way. It could, I mean it could. you're, you're thinking it's correct of uh, a, a, and everybody else we're talking about the yield curve inverting, meaning the 10year yield on a 10-year treasury uh, falling being lower than a yield on a two-year treasury and they've been coming closer and closer together and they're very close now. So I my mean, is saying that well the Fed raises the rates on the short end, won't that push the two-year treasury up and then therefore we have an inversion? And if that's the case, is the market going to sell off? Good thinking. Really good thinking. It could, but I think everybody knows it's happening. That's why you're seeing all this huge volatility now on meat. But it could when it actually does happen. I think most people are expecting it to happen. This is Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. The number is 888-99-CHART.
0: This is Invest Talk, the KPP premium newsletter distributed to each subscriber's inbox on Fridays, provides a summary of the market week that was, offers a look ahead, and even points out notable stock ideas. You can subscribe anytime at InvestTalk.com. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here and the lines are open.
2: 888-99-CHART. Well, I had my investment academy uh, lesson today at nine o'clock this morning, and I talked about insurance, both as you know a need or a want, the types of insurance, and explained a little bit, and as an investment. And I have a question for you. Do you think you have to have auto insurance? Do you think you have to buy auto insurance? Do you think it's required by law? What do you think? Now, it will be state by state. And for those people in California, I'll have the answer for you in a minute. But let's first talk to Ben in Minnesota. How are you doing, Ben?
3: Oh, I'm fine. Thank you, Steve. I personally wanted to thank you for the show. It's a great resource for everyone. So yeah.
2: thank you. Great. Thank you.
3: My, my question is about the F fund in the TST. Uh, the F is in Frank, on uh-huh. TST. Uh I'm hearing a little bit about how interest rates potentially for the the uh, 10-year Treasury note might be going down or predicted to be going down. I know that the Federal Reserve is raising rates, but there are some mm-hmm. who say that the rate may be going down or who had predicted the recent drop. Do you think that mm-hmm. right now is a good time to own the F fund or to have the F fund? No, for everybody else. Uh,
2: Okay, Ben. Uh, which one is the F fund? Is that the uh, is that the fixed income? The F
3: fund is a bond?
2: yes. It uh, it okay.
3: is a proxy. The proxy is the Bloomberg Barclays U.S. Aggregate Bond Index.
2: Got it. Okay. For everybody else, because uh, t- no one, you know, you know what a TSP is, Ben. But and a lot of people know who mm-hmm. who are involved in in the government, but not everybody. A TSP, everybody right. is like a four hundred one k but for government employees or teachers or, or or county employees somebody you know like that and they have a tsp plan and the tsp plan have like only five choices for them to pick and they describe them as the f plan the s plan the g plan i don't remember all the letters one's growth right. one's bonds one you know so that's what they are and he's asking about the uh, bond fund, which typically should be less aggressive than the other funds, because they're in bonds, mm-hmm. and it's tracking a bond index. And what's happening, Ben, is why they're saying the, the uh, interest rates are going down. They are on the what we call the long end, the long bonds, the ten-year bonds or, hot, or longer, because every, when people get scared, you know, they get out of the market. Where do they go? They go buy bonds. And so now you have a right. high demand for bonds, so, so the yield goes down, right? And therefore now you might get an inverted yield curve, which we st- <laughs> where the two year ha- yields just as much or more than the ten year because there's a lot of demand because they're scared, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, it, it should do okay in this kind of environment. I mean, you're not going to make a ton of money okay. because the yield's only like three percent, right. but you know, right. but you I know, it, it, it's, a good, it's a good place. Yeah, you do. You really do. You 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 can't hide nearly from the market if you wanted to or hedge against the market nearly as well as uh, other people because you're limited. You're limited. This is what you get, you know. So, yeah, that's the way you got to go on a TSP, Ben. ben. That's where you got to go, you know, if you want to avoid stock market volatility. You know, that's the way you got to go. Okay, so do you have to have insurance in California? Auto insurance, sometimes do you have to buy? Remember, this is part of my class today. Talk about auto, homeowners, uh, uh, long-term care, uh, you know, umbrella, health. We talked about all those. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I have a pretty good background in insurance because that's where I started back in New York City, in the insurance industry. And the answer is no. You do not have to have auto insurance. You don't have to have collision. Comp or liability. But what you do have to have, if you're not going to be insured, you're going to try to self insure you got to have a bond. And you got to buy a bond. And you have to be able to just demonstrate you can afford to pay big bucks if you hurt somebody in your car. The reason why people have collision and comp on their policies is because they have a, a lien holder, or they they borrowed the money, to, and they're paying somebody, uh, you know, a bank or something, paying them back for the borrowed money to buy the car, or you lease the car. They require that you carry collision and comp. But if you paid cash and it's out, you don't have to have collision and comp. And in fact, I hate to tell you this, I haven't had a collision comp since I was in my early twenties on my car. I've had liability. But not collision and comp, isn't that interesting? Or is it? Most people find insurance boring. Well, how about as an investment? As an investment, see if you took the class, Invest Talk Academy class, you would know. But you know, it's kind of fun to put the class on. Yeah, I enjoy it. Eight 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 ninety nine charters our number, everybody. The market was kind of mixed today, with the um, the Dow up and the Nasdaq down and the S and P pretty much flat, um, and it was pretty volatile as it has been every day. So we've just got to get used to it. Tomorrow on Invest talk, powerful software tools created for societal benefit have been turned into weapons by various nation states. Microsoft is fighting to stop a coming, a coming cyber, cyber world war. That, that's a be interesting story. That's tomorrow, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm going to take your calls, your questions at 888-99-CHART.
4: To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Invest Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go to research tool? Y Charts. It's a cloud based financial research platform, it is indispensable.
2: Y Charts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use Y Charts every day.
4: YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds,
2: indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YCharts has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bluebird Terminal.
4: And now our listeners can try YCharts for free.
0: You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious. Get YCharts. This is Invest Talk, and we're glad you're with us today for one hour of financial news and perspective. And your decision-making process can benefit from this practical and unbiased advice, especially if you consult with Steve or Justin. Step up now with your questions, call 888-99-CHART.
2: Okay, let's talk about Uber and Lyft. You know they filed for our IPOs next year, it's coming up next year. Do you know that both of them lose massive amounts of money? They don't make money, neither one of them. Uh, Remember, what we talked about IPO. What's an IPO? Initial public offering when a company first becomes public that you can buy the stocks in the company. Right now, it's all privately owned, right? So Uber and uh, and, uh, Lyft. Uh, One of the financial companies, I forget which one it was. Estimated Uber to be worth like 100 to 120 billion dollars. Don't believe it. Don't buy into that. Remember, these financial companies that that they have to to become public, you have to be sponsored by a big a big commercial uh, bank like you know uh, I don't know it could be uh, Goldman Sachs, it could be you know it could be any of those big big commercial uh, investment banks. And they want to take the, these companies public because they can make a lot of money at it. They make a lot of money doing it. But their danger is they have to sponsor the stock. So they're going to tell Uber and Lyft, oh, it's worth a bazillion, trillions of dollars. Let us take you public. We'll get you that price. And then when reality sets in, after they pick which uh, bank they're going to go with, um, then it gets down to real, real valuations. But the companies Uber and Lyft has filed with the SEC s- certain financial information that they have to provide to kind of feel out whether they're, you know, done the right things, you know, that their books and records are in order. That's really what they're doing. They don't, no one uh, And it looks like Uber and Lyft are competing. Lyft wants to come out with IPO before Uber because they're much smaller than Uber. And if Uber comes out before Lyft, Lyft is worried that they'll take all the air out of the, you know, ride-sharing stock buyers out there, and then when they go public, there won't be nearly as much demand. Now Uber wants to be before go before Lyft simply because they want to be first to the marketplace. But, but that's what's happening out there. We so we're probably going to add two more stocks to the to the to the public public stock market next year: Uber and Lyft. We'll see. It's kind of tough to come out with an IPO in a market that's not very strong. You'd rather do it when the market's strong, right? For obvious reasons, you want you want a good high stock price, and you want a lot people, a lot of excitement, and buy all the shares out there. You know, if the shares don't all get bought up, the sponsoring financial institution, the bank, they have to buy them. Interesting enough. 888 99 Let's go talk to Robert in Stanley Angel. How are you doing, Robert? Hey, I'm doing great. I got a
3: quick question for you. I'm following the uh, XAU and the GLD index, and I can't see where these uh, miners, these uh, miners, I can't see any blow-off rally coming. It looks like a slight blow-off rally a couple of months ago in October. Uh, But I, I, I... is there a blow off rally coming for these guys? Uh, uh, actually, a blow, a sell off to the downside. Um,
2: oh, okay. Do you- I was gonna, I was gonna make you clarify. What do you mean by blow off? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, is there gonna be a sell off? I don't think so. Uh, I think you, what you're looking at, um, and everybody for everybody else, uh, XAU is the gold and silver index, GDX. Is that the other one you mentioned, Robert? Is the gold miners index? And if you look at a, tra- a chart of both those, you'll see that they bottomed in uh, September. GDX. Let me look at GDX real fast. Uh, yeah, they bottomed the same, same day. In September, they bottomed, and ever since that bottom, they've been pretty volatile, but up volatility. They've been moving up, every, you know, ever since then. Uh, I think what you're seeing, Robert, is you're you're not going to have a, a sell-off here. I think you're going to. You would have more likely, in my personal opinion a blow off to the upside a blow up to the upside not to the downside why do i say that well because i think what we're seeing is the mark, the dollar has topped i think that we're not going to see too much more of that and there's hardly any inflation and yet the gold and silver index has been moving up from a bottom for 2 3 months now slowly granted slowly But what happens if the dollar has topped and it weakens? What happens if inflation does pick up? This means these gold and silver prices will go up even faster. And what happens if the market starts to even get more volatile to the downside? Gold and silver is your traditional hiding spot. So there'll be more demand over there. And um, you'll note that the market's gone down over the same period that the gold and silver index has gone up. Not tremendously, so but up. Uh, so, Robert, I think it's... Go ahead. Go what got me Robert. confused
3: is that uh, a lot of these miners, they are making new lows. The uh, price, yep. the metals price is going up, but their stock price is going below what it was two, two months ago.
2: Yeah, interesting. How, huh? And it's what you're right, I see that too, but the index, the gold miners index is going up, which, which means that... There are gold miners' stocks in there that must be doing pretty well. So, yeah, you've got a really dichotomy there. It's kind of unusual. But if I, but I know that in one of our programs, we're pretty heavy in, in gold and gold miners uh, simply because we like the defensiveness of it. And I think 2019 is going to turn out to be the year that these kind of stocks probably will work, will do better than most other kinds of stocks. Appreciate the call, Robert. Thank you very much for your help. Thank you. You're welcome. It's confusing, and Robert is exactly right. It is confusing. I wish I could tell you every time, okay, when A happens and then B happens, then that results in C. It never works that way. Sometimes A happens and B happens and it doesn't result in C. You know, so why would the gold miners index slowly move up when the dollar is peaking at a high rate and there's no inflation and high inflation and a weak dollar usually is very good for gold, but we don't have that. But meanwhile, the gold miner index is moving up. And so is gold GLD is the symbol for gold. You now that's moving up too. why are they moving up? The only reason I can give you is because there's a lot of fear out there and fear. You know, people run to stable things and when they when they're fearful and gold is very stable. What happens though if inflation does pick up? And even though I don't think that's gonna happen, but I do think the dollar could weaken. And that means and that's what I think think's gonna happen next year. The dollar's gonna weaken the dollar will weaken. I don't think it's gonna get like, oh my god, it's fallen down. No. It's just been so strong, I think it's time for it to get a little weak. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and I hope you're making the right choices with the money and your 401k and all your other kinds of... If you're not, if you have no idea what you should do, you should read about our active 401k program at investtalk.com. You know, we do have a system where it will help you guide you to what you can do with your 401k. What to buy, what to, what, to, what where to migrate to, when to cut back, those kinds of things. What's of the choices in your mutual fund in your own 401k? What mutual funds should you be buying? That kind of thing. So take advantage of it at investtalk.com. So time to so give me a call, 888-99-CHART. This
0: is InvestTalk, made possible by KPP Financial where their commitment to reason and common sense guidance can help make you a better investor. We are headed into the final trading sessions of 2018, and now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for help with your portfolio. Start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP financial office in Dana Point, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open, and you can call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. I got into
3: investing about a year ago, and in my baby steps, I looked into Orchard Island Capital, ORC. Just wondering what your opinion on that is. Do I need to unload it and take the money and run? Thanks. Bye.
2: The ORC is Orchard Island Capital. It's a REIT. Real estate investment trusts, and we all know what that means—that you got to pay ninety percent of their earnings in the, out in the form of a dividend. It's a REIT, and what do they do? They go into RMBs backed primarily by single-family residential mortgage loans. Okay, the time—the time—the it's probably not the time to be in these kind of instruments at this time. REITs are pretty tough. Real estate investment trusts. Why? Because they borrow lots of money and the cost of borrowing money is going to go up. Therefore, they push the price of the stock down. And you'll see that that's what happened here. The stock is now low. It's at $6.58. cents. It's going to lose a penny a share this year after making $0.05 cents last year. Next year, it's supposed to make a $1.44. I want you to know that makes me suspicious. How can you lose a penny a share this year? The next year... You're estimated to make a dollar forty-four. Why? What's happened? What's changed? What is? What's happening that that's what you're going to make? It's a very small company, three hundred forty-two million dollars. Try to stay away from these really tiny companies. You know they're they're too risky for the average person. That you don't really know how to evaluate them. They're too volatile and risky. Don't buy them. That would be my suggestion for you. Uh, beginner investors out there, stay away from the really tiny companies. You could buy small cap companies, but that would be billion dollars, two billion dollars, that range. Large cap anything over ten billion dollars. Then you have mega cap, and that's like you know Apple, you know, eight hundred billion dollars, <laughs> you know, huge. But try to stay away from these really small sub billion dollar companies because they're very difficult to evaluate and understand. You know, and they can manipulate books and records. That's here, I see this company being very un, unsteady. Some years it loses money. Some years it makes money. One year, in 2013, it lost 21 cents a share. And then 2014, it made $2.48 a share. How, how do you do that? Why, why Why is it so erratic like that? Why? So I kind of stay away from it. I would t- t- take my money and leave. Or I see. ORC. So is we're going to have a recession in 2019? The chances are, this is an article I'm referring to by Jeffrey Bartash. Um, the chances are are good if the Federal Reserve keeps raising rates and poor if they don't. We probably won't go into recession. Now, I think the recession, I've always said, late 2019, maybe 2020 is the target time frame. I'll know more this, you know, later, but, I you know, you always gather more and more information. Why would the Fed raise rates? Well, they raise rates because they, they want to control inflation. Well, we don't have inflation. The CPI hit a six-year high in mid-summer at 2.9%. Now, now is 2.2. I'm talking about annualized, CPI, Consumer Price Index. It's gone down. What is the Federal Reserve's kind of target? 2% or so. So we're a little bit above that. Well, what is the Fed? Remember, they're meeting. The Fed is meeting next week, and they're probably going to raise the rates. Right now, the rate is 225 to 2.5. I I mean, it's 20 to 225, and they're going to raise it to 225 to 2.5. They're going to raise it a quarter point. Remember, it's a range that they're shooting for a quarter point. Kind of built in. We know what that's going to be. I think that's already done. Now, there are two schools of thought about this and why uh, about inflation okay some people think inflation will keep rising and why do they think that they got several reasons tight labor market higher cost of supplies rebounding medical costs rising rents they think that that's all inflationary and that's that you know that's why the fed got needs to stay, keep raising rates to control it And then the other school of thought, which kind of I am on, I'm on this school of thought, think that inflation is not going to be a problem. We're not saying there's not going to be any inflation, just that it's not a problem. It's not going to spike or rise much higher. And that is the reason is a global disinflationary climate. Global economic growth is shrinking. A strong dollar already. We already have a strong dollar. And it's that strong dollar means we can buy more things with the dollar so it kind of is you know fighting inflation lower lower oil prices oil falling sharply here taken away taken away one of the main legs of inflation tighter tight this is businesses businesses are not paying high salaries they're not not Raising prices so high, but they're not, they're trying to keep a very stingy eye on costs at the corporate level because their profit margins are going to be less next year. That means less inflation. So, which side are you on? Really, and that's really the questions. Which side is the Fed on? What do they think? They are inflationary hawks. They don't want to see it. Well, I don't see much inflation. It's an interesting debate. And why are we having this debate? Remember, the Fed raising rates tightens money supply. And we're already tightening money supply because they're reducing their balance sheet. Remember, it used to be $4 trillion. We don't talk about it very much, but now it's less, much less than 4000000000000 trillion. They're reducing that, meaning they're tightening the balance sheet. Here you have announced today, Europe going to stop its QE... Stop QE, even though their economy doesn't look so good. And they're going to tighten money supply by doing that. I don't see inflation. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. Our Thursday program is headed into the finish line, the last 10 minutes or so. And you can get on board with your questions if you want. Lines are open. Gene so call right now or later, it depends on you. You can leave your question anytime you want. But at the moment, we're live. 888. 888- Ninety-nine chart.
0: On the next Invest Talk, why Microsoft is fighting to stop a coming cyber world war. That story tomorrow. But now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 99 chart.
3: Hey Steve. Hey Justin. This is Alan in Pleasanton, California giving you a call today regarding the stock of Lockheed, LMT is the symbol. I see that the stock has come down quite a bit from its 52-week high, and it does have a 3% dividend. Just wondering your opinion if this is a good time to get into the stock at this point. Thanks very much, and I'll listen for your answer on the podcast.
2: Lockheed Martin Manu- Corporation, LMT, uh, manufactures military aircraft, missiles, satellites, submarine combat systems, and missile defense systems. And, of course, the pre- Trump presidency poured more money and more money into the military. And that was what he wanted to do, is build up the military. And, therefore, the stock rose from you know, December 16th at, what, 240 to uh, 360. dollars back in March of this year, and ever since then, it's been going sideways or down. But that's because of the market, not necessarily because of the company. They're gonna make uh, $17.58 this year, it's a $292 stock. Next year, they're gonna make $19.64. So that means the PE is gonna be what, 14.15, and that's the low end of its range. Great return on equity. Um, Sales are growing very nicely. So uh, th- you're, this is, I think, it's 3% dividend. I think this is a good buy point around 200, 292. I think the stock is worth, you know, 350 to 375 easy. Um, and I think it's suffering because the market is suffering. That's all. That's it. Nothing wrong with the company. It depends on you your your time frame because over the next few years, I think the stock will go higher but you know, if we have a recession in between, all stocks are going to get hit. So will this one. But fundamentally, the stock is very sound, very very sound. And looking at the chart, this is the third time it's been about 285 to 290, and it's bounced up each time, gone up to about 340 or so. So that's where it should go. I think it should go back to 350, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it does that. If we move into a recession next year, then it's going lower. Well, I'm not convinced we are necessarily going into recession. Slow down economically, yes, but this company will be—you know—will do fine because it's not really attached to the economic cycle. It's attached to more. Well, if Republicans in they in in control, they spend more money on military. When the Democrats are in control, they spend more money on social programs, and that's what made investors bid it up or bid it down more on that than. Really, the economic cycle. LMT, everybody. Lockheed Martin Corporation. Eight 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 ninety nine chart So what's the number one item on the Christmas wish list for teenagers this year? Matter of fact, what's the number one, two, three, and four? Do you have a guess? I asked that 10, 15 minutes ago. The number one item. iPhone. iPhone is number one. And what's really amazing to me is two, three, and four is in this order. This is now this is according to uh, analysts from Piper Jaffrey, Okay, they're the ones that surveyed the teenagers for their wish list. Number one is iPhone. Number two, Apple Watch. Number two, MacBooks by Apple. And number three, number four is AirPods by Apple. Now, if you're Apple, you gotta love that. <laughs> Four top items on teenagers' wish list is Apple products. Come on now, I mean that is a great place to be in if you're Apple. the The brand names that followed Apple is Gucci, Vans, Adidas, and Lululemon. But Apple had the four top four items on the list. Now come on, that is amazing. Now, unless they are, they had a biased survey of some, some way somehow, that's pretty amazing. And just so you know, I'm not getting any of those things for Christmas. And I'm not buying anybody else, any of those things for Christmas. But that's okay. I did buy my wife a watch, but it's not an Apple watch. And the only reason I bought a watch is because all she wanted was, for Christmas was a crystal on her existing watch to be repaired. And it would cost more to repair it than to buy her a new watch simply because it's so old, you have to send it back to the manufacturer. They don't make the square crystals with the bevel edges anymore. <laughs> so I thought her new watch was cheaper. <laughs> so that's what she's getting for Christmas. If if I could have found the crystal, she would have got a crystal for Christmas, that's it. Um, cheap. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investor program, and I do thank you for your support and your questions. I really do appreciate it. Have a nice evening, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow, Friday. So get your holiday shopping done this weekend. Good night, everybody.
1: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.